welcome to the fourth episode of Random Gibberish and this is your host Vivek. This episode is going to be a continuation of our conversation with Neetu Tiwari on questions about mental health. So without further ado, let's jump right ahead with the questions. And what I've seen is every field uh, might it be uh, cancer or, or uh, AIDS and all that, every field of medicine and research needs or gets uh, fundings from either government or, or private parties. Uh, do you think when you consider mental illness health uh, as mental health as a, a, a huge subject, do you think the amount of funding that this field is receiving is still less uh, compared to the amount Very of guess, research that yeah. needs to be done? Yeah, because if you see cancer or AIDS or any other disorder where uh, medicine has a huge scope, so there uh, people mm-hmm. they want to invest a lot and then uh, you get outcomes but then in psychiatry you can still see that uh, the fundings are there but in psychology because those uh, pharmaceutical companies are not directly involved and it's so more mm-hmm. it's more of a behavioral practice so fundings they definitely become issue so yeah okay. the fundings from pri- private sectors are very very rare people do it you know altruistically or something like that but it never comes as a business model it's very hard to get fundings like that in current situation i think it has improved a little but not to that extent I agree. If you want to work on a medicine uh, that is related to pain, you will immediately get funds. But then if you want to work on a psychotherapy practice that reduces pain, uh, who will fund you? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the behavior, as you said, it's a behavioral pattern of if you, if you give money, are you getting the profits back, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. And, and, while looking at some research, uh, the numbers that came out was uh, there is always a correlation between like the number of uh, providers in a particular field uh, versus the ratio of the total population, right? Like in, like in school, you have like one teacher to 30 students and ratios like that. So from a mental health work perspective, the numbers that came out was it's about two per two people per lack of population in low income countries to about 70 workers per lack population in high income countries and and even if you think 70 people per lack even that gap is huge why do you, why do you think that gap is huge is it because the field is still growing and people are reluctant to choose this as a career path or is it because the number of institutes that offer the specialization less. <laughs> this is again very interesting question. See, um, you need to be quite ready and prepared for this career because uh, the uh, the like number of years that we take to study and finish and to get the licensing process is like you do three years of post uh, graduation two years of masters and then two years of uh, post post masters so it's seven years minimum and after that most people they go for phd so five more years that's it so you should be ready to invest 10 plus years you know for 
your uh, education and if you see somebody who is uh, engineering student who is graduating let's say 21 22 and they start earning quite good amount of money versus a clinical psychology student who's graduating after like 10 years 12 years and then uh, their beginning salaries are like it's very difficult to survive also so who would choose this field you know you you really need to think you need to imagine like you 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 need to prepare yourself mentally okay so initially uh, the like people number of people who were interested in this kind of course were also less so institutes were also less like when i passed out when i did my infill in my university university of calcutta the number of seats available at all india level was 12 and that's all and there were only few institutes but now there are many and uh, i was seeing like in one institute recently i think there is one entrance exam for uh, mphil and for the same number of seats like 12 or 15 the applicants are around mm -hmm. 400 500 which was never the case so we definitely see that the number of people who are interested that is increasing but also we see a lot of people dropping out they do their masters and then they choose some other field they don't go into practice and uh, they get into mm -hmm. management or some some other role so uh, i think uh, these are basic challenges that we have like you you study hard you practice like you you so many years of your life you invest in this and then uh, by the time you establish yourself and all and then you start actually earning a decent amount of uh, income it's too late so yeah people think a lot before choosing this field yeah and also a lot of questions around who you are and what you do and what is your identity like um, people should treat you like a doctor or not or uh, who you are i think those confusions the uh, and, and mental health professionals in india i think their job satisfaction is also you know a big uh, challenge that we are facing because uh, they have long hours okay. of work and all of mm -hmm. that yeah so there are many challenges with it yeah. okay perfect so uh so on to our uh next question uh india is always considered to be booming from an it sector for the last few decades and and there was a research in around 2019 done by british charity mental health research uh, they found that about 42.5 percent of employees in india's corporate sector suffer from depression or anxiety and that's almost every second employee if that facts us are true yeah. what do you think companies can do to address this issue should should psychology become a department like human resource so that the employees can go ahead and seek counseling so yeah i keep meeting people because i work here at manipal whitefield so this area whitefield is surrounded by it companies and i keep meeting people mm -hmm. and mostly youngsters and i i keep hearing different things and uh, 
I think what I have understood is there is a huge gap of people working for the same company uh, from India and from any other country. You know, so people mm-hmm. they don't have same level of job satisfaction, and uh, the amount of work that do they do, the hours that they invest is crazy. And people they know that uh, the labor is available, and it's uh, quite reasonable and cheap compared to any other market place all over the world. So people uh, they know that my job is always at risk. If I am not working, somebody else will take my position. so they are not assertive at work people are not assertive at work and the work culture is going like i i think it's getting very very difficult for people to connect to their company and work and things like that so people expect like okay if you ask them like okay how many uh, days do you think you should take to finish this particular thing and then ideally they say i think i should take four days but they are supposed to finish it in one day i think that also have seen so the work culture where people don't feel respected people don't feel valued people are always under constant threat of being replaced that is creating a lot of pressure people feel like no i have to do it whether i can or i can't or this is difficult or not i have to do it and this is what my uh, job graph is like i will uh, work till 40 45 and after that anyways nobody is going to hire me so either i will start my own company or i will start something on my own or i will just retire so that's how they work that's how they work so that's why i feel that it is increasing a lot but if you if you provide a department of psychology clinical psychology or you connect them to somebody whom they can talk and uh, the work pressure uh the culture remains same i don't think uh, this scene is going to change at all i think we need to understand that uh, people worldwide should get same amount of respect position and power and uh, people also should start becoming more assertive and uh, companies should focus on creating a good work culture i know various places where it's there people feel very very comfortable also but then there are places where these things are completely missing so i think we have to look at the bigger picture and think about changing few things from grassroots level i i makes I, makes total sense yeah mm. because i also know people who i know somebody during this pandemic this person was promoted to his dream position and then he attempted suicide and you know wow. and a very severe attempt because he felt that he was not doing justice to his position whereas the situation itself was not very convenient like there were a lot of gaps in communication because you can't go meet in person and things like that and uh, he was like oh i was waiting for this position for so long and then finally i i i got here and then i i can't do anything i'm such a worthless person and then he realized it later that you know it's okay you will get many opportunities and things like that makes makes sense so so as a this is a two part question anitu so if a person 
needs to seek help or how how does how does a person actually know that he needs to go ahead and seek help of a clinical psychologist and when a patient walks in to seek help how does the process start is it actually through a structured clinical assessment or something on those lines yeah actually this is quite structured process anybody who is a licensed clinical psychologist they are trained into following that structure but then patients who are walking in they obviously don't notice it because it's a very spontaneous thing the examination is not like uh, you have to write down or fill up it's it's a very basic like the person is made to feel comfortable and then there is a formal interview and while the clinician is interviewing you the mental status examination is done but uh, you won't know about it you will just think that you're talking about yourself and your problems and things like that but there is a proper evaluation that goes we have to rule out certain things we go by method of elimination then we see okay what which all variables are there which all uh, diagnostic criteria or uh, you know what what all variables we can possibly think of and rule out and then reach to a conclusion and then there is a treatment plan that is given to patient okay if there is assessment required that is also suggested for patients well the second part of the question is how do i know that i need help like any other illness like if you have pain in your stomach and it's not going away you know that i need to go and see a doctor like mm-hmm. uh, very very it's very similar like you know that mm-hmm. you are going through distress you know that uh, i am not able to handle this it's not like a regular uh, thing for me you know you can feel low or sad for something of, of course if something is not going right in your life you will feel low you will feel sad you won't feel very happy about it that's okay but if you feel that my sadness my worry is going out of proportion i know i shouldn't be this worried or i i shouldn't be this sad and i'm still feeling this way mm-hmm. is when you can seek help mm-hmm. you know basic criteria or mm-hmm. how we define mental illness which is fit uh, like which we we would diagnose and categorize as mental illness is, is it affecting your socio occupational functioning is it interfering with your day to day life mm-hmm. is it uh, not allowing you to uh, enjoy your life uh, at various levels you know sometimes we see patients who come mm-hmm. they come with lot of somatic complaints like i have headache i have stomach ache i have lot of body aches and pains which definitely has been examined and evaluated by the physician we see patients with uh, chronic headaches or uh, chronic pain or with panic attacks where people would initially think like okay i think i'm getting a heart attack but it's just a panic attack so of course you get evaluated by a physician or a cardiologist that your heart is fine and then you are referred to a psychologist so if you have any question in mind and if you feel like it might be psychological or it is interfering with my day to day functioning and not letting me live my life fully consult a physician and ask is it something related to my physical health my mental health and if the physician feels that it might be related to your mental health they can refer you if you feel like okay i am not feeling good i am low and i have obvious reasons to feel this way of course you should directly you can directly seek help from a mental health professional if the disorders are severe like you see your near and dear one like anybody uh, whom you care for if you feel like they're quite isolated not talking and um, maybe they are just doing self talking or muttering they are responding to something which is not there and you know that they are not normal 
how they feel like somebody is trying to harm them or poison them for no reason mm-hmm. they're not going to school or college or work and uh, not eating well not sleeping well these are criteria when you know that the person needs help course with children when you see that they are not developing normally the speech is delayed or their growth is not as as uh, good as uh, any other child of their age or as compared to one of their friend is when you know that okay this child would need evaluation yeah. things like that do you think i've answered your question or you have anything else in your mind <laughs> because the screening process can be very long there are vast things <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I I believe that's you. You answered my question because screening process is the second stage, and the first stage is actually knowing when to go in, right? So you pretty much captured uh, when a person should go and how uh, to go ahead and know that I need to go ahead and consult a doctor. Uh, and if you do, you feel that in future, since the awareness of mental illness is is increasing. uh we would see that this particular topic becomes a mandatory subjects in school so that the students know what mental illness is and know how to respond if any of their friends or family members come up to them and share the problems yeah definitely i feel um there's a need for that and uh, more than you know just mental illness i think uh the focus should also be on building resilience so there are schools i know they teach um, uh, life skill classes where the focus is on mental wellness and not on the illness so how can you be more happy and fulfilled uh, how can you i mean i know adults they just don't know how to relax if they are not doing anything they feel very low they can't have a leisure time they don't know what they like they don't know hobbies and things like that so i think it is more important that at very early stage we talk about mental wellness and quality of life and uh, life skills rather than talking about mental illness mm-hmm. and then we talk about mental illness at a bigger forum at a community level you know we don't talk about uh, physical illness also we don't talk mm-hmm. about cancer or aids at at that level you know we don't expose we don't do that in school but then people know about it right mm-hmm. so because we know what is health you know you talk about healthy food and you talk about uh, what is enough calorie and why exercise is important and things like that in school and then you know what is a good health you know you know what is good physical health likewise we should know what is good mental health and then probably we will know what is not the absence of mental health would be a good enough thing for some somebody who is a layman to know that this is not normal and so they can go to specialist and then they the other person can help them decide or uh, diagnose or things like that if it is required i think this approach where we talk about uh, prevention and resilience is more important than talking about illness that's it's something like prevention is better than cure you know how to be mentally healthy then you won't have to go through all this yes you should know how does it feel to be happy how does it feel to be fulfilled then okay. you will know okay this is not what i am feeling yeah okay so uh on one of the recent articles it said united states is opening up its market for traditional indian therapies 
like yoga and Ayurvedic medicine for mental health. Uh, do you think these things actually help mental health? Yes, it does. I agree. And not only that, any alternate healing practice, anything that is related to healing, and if somebody is feeling nice with it, it is helpful. I feel uh, yoga, Ayurvedic medicine, uh, and uh, different healing practices have a lot to contribute especially your breathing exercises or meditation techniques they and uh, i i don't think ancient indian medicine was only about uh, cure it was also about um, you know how you should uh, live the lifestyle that you can have about the quality of life and things like that so if if somebody's promoting that nothing like it and i'm sure if us is promoting it india would definitely follow <laughs> <laughs> If you talk about Indian things in India, people will be like quite paranoid and then they will give you looks. But then if US mm-hmm. is talking about it, it's going to be popular. So yeah, I'm I'm glad to know that US is promoting this. <laughs> <laughs> makes makes sense, doctor. And, and talking about uh, another perspective of mental illness, this is just my thought, right? Does socioeconomic factors and demographics play a role the reason i ask is let's say let's take depression or stress right as as a person who might be from uh, a, an upper middle class not eating food or, or not getting a job for a month might be stressful for him but then again for a person who is from a lower income group not having a job for a month is not that stressful because he's used to it does does that those aspect also play a part in in mental health and and illnesses no i don't think it is dependent on uh, socioeconomic status because uh, with uh, those categorization i think there are other variables that would uh, play along mm-hmm. like what kind of person you are because i know people who are in middle income group and uh, they get distressed over losing their job and things like that and i know people who are in uh, you know upper middle class uh, uh, so and that kind of strata who are okay with it mm-hmm. so a lot of other variables and uh, i don't think mental illness would discriminate between people who are well to do and uh, from a poor strata or from a well to do or a first uh, like i don't think uh, illnesses would choose people like that but definitely if you are very poor if you don't have food to eat and things like that you are more focused on uh, that rather than so there are needs there are like hierarchies of needs like first of all is your food basic food shelter and uh, protection after that comes love uh, belongingness and things like that and after that is when you realize like i need to achieve something and then only you will think about actualizing yourself mm-hmm. if your basic needs are met then you feel okay you know mm-hmm. uh, if you belong to that that uh, but if you go up then definitely so these variables play a role uh, but it it can be present interchangeably into different groups also hmm. so uh, in, especially with uh, psychotic illnesses i don't think those variables uh, would differentiate at all uh, or would I don't think it is related to socio-economic status at all. 
the amount of care patients receive, the treatment, all of that would be different because you will see in a very uh, poor family where people don't have food to eat. If somebody is uh, severely ill, they have uh, schizophrenia and they're having uh, other psychotic symptoms, uh, they will not bother as long as the person is not disturbing them. But mm-hmm. if a family is well-to-do and you have food to eat and then you see, okay, this particular person is not talking, is isolated, has, uh, you know, altered sense of self or is uh, whatever he's talking does not make sense, then you will think about it. So illnesses are present, whether they would get noticed or not, that is different thing. And other variables, mm-hmm. which are more related to neurotic spectrum, they differ from person to person. And mm-hmm. there, I think, to some extent, these variables would play a role. Okay. Because I have seen people with very like high social economic status and they have a lot of money and everything is set and secured, but they, then they can still feel depressed about things. So, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I've answered your question. Yeah, perfect. Uh, and and Neetu, uh, before we leave, if, if any of our listeners wants to go ahead and, and get a counseling from you, uh, how do they reach you? And and second, since you're in Bangalore, and if there are listeners from other states who would need uh, to go ahead and and uh, get counseling from you, uh, how do they do that? Is there is there an online telemedicine kind of way in which you counsel patients uh, who are uh, not from Bangalore? Yeah, thanks to COVID, we have started teleconsultation and. Uh... I practice at uh, Manipal Hospitals, Whitefield, Bangalore. So I usually like to see people in person because uh, that mm-hmm. makes a lot of difference. You feel more comforted, reassured. You can see expressions very well. Um, and uh, that's a very different level of rapport that you establish with your therapist. But uh, because of this whole uh, thing, I think, uh, and then people traveling to different countries, their patients who move also. We also provide uh, tele-counseling and uh, therapy. Few therapies, especially behavioral therapies, when the exposure is involved, it gets very difficult to do it online. But otherwise, uh, it is quite possible. And they can connect to me, uh, like they can book appointment via, you know, different online portals that are available or they can call Manipal Hospital directly. You can share my Mm -hmm. uh, Gmail ID and phone number and people can directly reach out to me. Usually phone uh, numbers are something which is like, which we can't pick all the time. We can't respond immediately. But emails is when I try to do it like every night when I, I try to respond to every possible email so people can write to me definitely certainly i'll go and post uh, your email address your linkedin profile and uh, the links to uh, sims and other private uh, portals from which they can uh, book an appointment with you i'll go ahead and uh, put that in the description of the podcast so that uh, people can reach out to you uh, to uh, take help uh, and take advantage of of the knowledge and the services uh, that you have. 
So before we end the show, Neetu, is there are there any parting words, words of wisdom for people who are out there about how to go about learning about mental health, how to uh, know more, how to prepare oneself? Any 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 advice that you can give to the listeners? I think uh, uh, as uh, as a clinical psychologist and somebody who has worked with chronic pain and autoimmune disorders, I think it's very, very important that we understand the value of basic things in our life, like something that we must have learned as children or from our parents or from our grandparents. Few things I feel are very, very important for our overall well-being, that uh, we maintain a discipline, we take care of ourselves, we love ourselves, and we should be connected to very basic things in our life like do you eat your meals on time do you take care of what goes inside your body uh, do you get enough sleep do you get time to do things that you like doing and uh, is are you doing something against your will have you set rules for yourself where you have too many shoulds and must in your life and if you have i think Uh, see how much of that is absolutely necessary what else can you change in your life are you taking care of your body do you take care of your emotional needs uh, these things i feel are very important uh, and you should take care of your well being you should uh, make sure that you your like uh, brain your mind is the strongest muscle muscle you know you have and uh, that that will a healthy mind a healthy uh, mental health would definitely help you achieve a mental uh, a healthy body and a very happy life overall so i i think i want everybody to follow these things very basic things very very basic things in life don't ignore yourself don't insult your body Uh, don't ignore your relationships and most importantly try to do what you like doing what you love doing and see uh, how how long can you take it i also i also want everybody to be interested in mental health i want everybody to be that agent of change when we talk about it without feeling uh, bad hesitant or stigmatized about it i feel if we start doing it that would make a lot of difference to world to we would become more compassionate as society as 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 a world uh yeah i think i think i can go on talking about this this, this should end somewhere isn't it that <laughs> uh, uh, thank you uh thank you to that that made a lot of sense and and based on your your conversations that that we had today i believe listeners would at least get a, a really high level overview of what mental health is uh, how to go about it what are the different mental illnesses and what can be done and what is being done uh, to address those uh, in our country as of now and how to go about ensuring one's mental health is always astute and uh, so that 
there is no illness anyone has. So I cannot thank you enough, Nitu. Thanks a ton for your time today. I know it's a Friday evening where people would like to go out. I should thank you for giving me this platform. <laughs> it was wonderful talking to you, Vivek. Uh, thank you, Nitu. Uh, thanks a ton enough. If we have a topic in future, we would love uh, to have you on our show to take one topic uh, specifically and then uh, spend an hour on it. Yeah, I do a lot of mental health awareness program at community level. And I keep talking about different topics. And I know how people are interested in this. So, of course, that would be quite exciting to talk about specific topics. And I can't wait to talk about chronic pain. <laughs> Perfect, Nitu. So, so we would uh, we would certainly go ahead and have a session on chronic pain. Just give me a few weeks. Let me do some research myself uh, so that we can have a conversation of uh, chronic uh, illness and, and chronic pain and how to go about it. And we should certainly be able to have you on board. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nitu. Have a great day ahead. Waiting to catch up again yeah certainly thanks a lot dr joyce berland director of education training and peer support center at national alliance of mentally ill said our cultural understanding of mental illness is that you're just not trying hard enough we never say that about cancer or heart disease i hope after listening to this podcast we understand that mental illness and mental health is as important as any other chronic disease that we encounter. It's a wrap from the studios of Random Gibberish. This is your host, Vivek, signing off. Keep it real and keep smiling.